When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in. Winning cures everything, and no, that is not Chris. That is on your screen. That would be one Parker Fleming. Parker, how are you this morning? Doing all right, Gary. How are you? Oh, I am fantastic. This is, of course, the Sunday, November 21st edition of the show. It is the College Football Week 12 Recap and Reaction Show. And, who boy, do we have a lot to discuss today. I am pumped about it. We had blowouts. We had survivals. We had miracle seasons continuing I'm excited about all of it. Uh, let's see. Ball Python Love already jumps in. Is there a live today? Uh, a live show today? I had a blast with Chris on Thursday. Yeah, Chris is on vacation. So Parker is filling in and helping me out, uh, getting through the recap show. The rest of the week, I will be knocking this thing out solo, and I will be cord- uh, recording at all kinds of different hours. So it'll, it'll still come out at the same time, but I'll be trying to fit it all in because I'm trying to fit everything into a three-day week as opposed to a five-day week. So... Uh, Antoine Johnson jumps in and said, Chris, <laughs> he just said, LOL, and morning, fellas. Morning to everybody. If you want to jump into the chat, obviously you can do so. Uh, we are streaming on YouTube as of right now. If you have not already, like the channel, and uh, or no, subscribe to the channel, like the video, etc., etc. You guys know what to do at this point. We're, our goal is 5,000 followers by the end of football season. Of course, that includes the NFL season. We do NFL here as well. But, uh... But our main calling is, of course, college football. Let me go ahead and give you the rundown. WinningCuresEverything.com is the website. You need to go and check it out. It's your one-stop shop for everything about us, all of our shows, all of our appearances on other shows, etc. can be found over there. On top of that, the show is also brought to you every week by BetUS, where the game begins. You can use the promo code NCAAF2021 to sign up for a 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. There is a link in the description. Click that. It's going to toss the promo code in there for you. Very easy to do. Also, you can find Parker and myself on the BetUS College Football Show every Wednesday and Thursday, but, I mean, obviously we're getting into bowl season, so this week it's only going to be Wednesday. Just a really long show on Wednesday, right? (laughs) It's going to be mayhem, mayhem. So, which, by the way, I talked to the guys. They're going to do a little break in between for us so that it's not just two full hours of us sitting at a table. But uh, either way, yes, check out the BetUS College Football Show. Link in the description for that. Parker, every single week, I have two keywords from the week before, and it's been the same two weeks 
or same two words since about week four. And those two words are volatility and consistency. We have a lot of one and basically none of the other one. And now that we are getting to this point in the season, it really feels like it, it feels like we are going to get a whole it feels like a lot of chaos, but we're getting the most predictable results, right? Like Ohio State probably winning the Big Ten. Clemson now has a shot to actually win the ACC. We it, this all seems like what it's supposed to be, right? It's, yeah, it's it does. It does feel like we took the long way to the place we knew we were going to go all along. Like yes. we could, you know, it's like we're just taking the scenic route. Yeah. So we do have. Uh, I mean, we've got Georgia that that obviously was a little bit different from everybody predicting Alabama, but those that were smart enough to look at and see what was going on with Alabama before the season. I mean, they lost so many guys. They're so young. They make so many mental mistakes. I just it it feels like we should have known that. Which, if you watch the Bet US show. <laughs> in the beginning of the season, I said yeah. Georgia plus one eighty uh, to win the SEC. Like, <laughs> yeah, did um, and 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 I think about this like uh, I'm trying to remember who said this, but somebody specifically even about Alabama, somebody the other day was like, "Hey, are we ready to admit that talking about how good Alabama's defensive line looked all off season probably just meant that their offensive line was really bad?" Uh, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think there's been some warning signs about a couple of these teams. I, I pulled up yesterday and bookmarked because Gary, you know, I'm petty as heck, man. And uh, FPI is most likely playoff combinations. Four of them right here. I picked them up. This tweet is from April. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Alabama, Clemson, uh, Iowa State, Oklahoma. Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Texas A&M. Alabama, Clemson, Iowa State, Ohio State. Uh, they might have one of those. They have one where Ohio, two where Ohio State's in it. They might have one playoff team, right, in, in their, their simulations this year. So uh, just absolute, I mean, yeah, absolutely not what we were expecting going in it's, for a lot of people. Nuts. All of it's nuts. Uh, the, the one thing, Chris and I have kind of harped on this since, uh, I don't know, about April or May, and we said basically when you don't expect Oklahoma State to be good, that's when they turn it on and they figure out a way to be really, really good. And this seemed like one of those seasons. Like, if they could have everybody healthy and all this, and if Spencer Sanders just didn't get in the way, then they could be a really good football team. However, I mean, their total was set at, like, eight wins, and yet they just keep on rolling. Like, Texas Tech had been looking good with uh, with their new quarterback. What's the quarterback's name? Donovan Smith? Is that it? Uh, trying to remember who Donovan Johnson. Like. He has Johnson. a very basic name. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, Donovan Smith, Donovan Johnson something. Yeah, so, But he, he looked fantastic against Iowa State. And against Oklahoma State last night, I mean, that's not even one of the games that I've got written down because it was basically just a thrashing. Like, it's a, a crock-potting, if you will. I There was so much in last night's games. Not just last night, just the whole day. Uh, We've got a lot to talk about. You know, let's go ahead and dive into it. Yeah. Let's let's do this. Uh, the first one. We'll start off with this. Let me write down my timestamp here. Um, Utah, 38. Oregon, 7. And this was not... Fluky. This was not turnovers. This was not anything crazy. This was Utah 5 out of 5 in the red zone. Oregon 0 for 3. This was uh, just just a beating. They, they held Oregon to 294 yards total offense. Uh, only 63 of those rushing. If Oregon can't run, they can't do anything. And uh, the, the whole thing went to hell in a handbasket for the Ducks on that punt return touchdown before the end of the second quarter. 
this was if, if the game wasn't already over, it was over oh, then. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The fact that Utah rushed for 208 yards against this defense uh, should tell you everything you need to know about the game. Like it, it was unbelievable. Uh, Anthony Brown is a. It, it's it, I try and find the right words. He's a serviceable quarterback um, who is, can give you some outstanding plays here and there. But as far as keyword consistency goes not not a superstar not a complete playmaker whatever um and cam rising like he has been playing really really well for utah but they didn't ask him to necessarily do anything last night he was 10 of 18 178 yards no touchdowns no picks um just get out of the way like (laughs) just don't make any mistakes don't beat yourself (laughs) That's the Kyle Whittingham experience for quarterbacks, though. It's like, just don't blow this. Like, just do what you need to do. And I do like that they, I mean, they got him going a little bit early. I think that first drive they punted, but, the, you know, you get, a, you get a false start in first and 15. That really that really kills you. But they had him pass, what, one, two, three, four, four times on the first on the first drive and just yeah. said, like, hey, man, we're going to go to you. We trust you. Um, and, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm willing to, look, this is Sunday morning. We can wildly speculate, right? We're in the circle here. Oh, Nobody's yeah. going to get roasted for this. Uh, who has been better than Utah since like week four or five? Georgia, Wisconsin. Uh, that's that's probably about it. I mean, Ohio State. Like, I guess you could say. like Ohio State. Ohio State for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there's there's um, a few, I mean, they, but they, good. They they lost the the loss at Corvallis. Like obviously, Oregon State went six and zero at home. Uh, won again last night, but. That one still just shocks me at the way that Oregon State was able to actually run the ball on Utah's defense. I mean, they had what, like 250 yards rushing in that ball game? I, yeah, I just picked that one up. They they ran for two, yeah, 260 for Oregon State there. Uh, only only 208 pass yards on 19 passes. Jeez, that is that is nuts. And Oregon, how the hell did Utah? Sorry, I said hell. I don't know. Uh, you can say whatever <laughs> you want to say, brother. It is all good. Hell's, hell's in the Bible. We're okay. <laughs> Oregon State had 114 penalty yards in that yep. game, too, and they still won. Utah's home road splits are wild, man. Absolutely wild. If they could play a bowl game in in Salt Lake City, I think that Utah would be uh, beat anybody uh, do just they, about. Do they play uh, – is it at Colorado next week? I've got a lot riding on that game next week. They host They host Colorado. Oh, thank, um, you. thank the Lord. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so yes, because is that a Utah over eight and a half for you and a Utah to win the division? Uh, that is Utah over eight and a half, Utah to win the division, and a Colorado under four and a half. Oh, <laughs> I've got three plays. Oh, that's that. spicy. Yeah. yeah. So I I'm not um, even going to bet the game because I've got too much riding elsewhere. Uh, but I'm actually I'm holding horseshoe tuna. I'm not going to try and mess stuff around, but I've got my tickets right up there, my actual physical sports book tickets. Uh, I for love those. that. So. <laughs> So yes, I am. I am yeah, ready for those. But that. this, uh, I mean, the post game win expectancy from collegefootballdata.com, a hundred percent for Utah. Like this was never, this was never in doubt. Like there's it from the word go. Uh, it's no penalties, no uh, turnover issues, nothing like that. There was no fluke, anything. This was all a Utah thrashing, and and I'm surprised. Uh, and it definitely helps get me towards my Utah over eight and a half wins on the season. Uh, so we'll we'll move off of that one because uh, just it, we don't need to talk about bloodshed all morning. Alabama forty two, Arkansas thirty five. Arkansas's post game win expectancy here was sixty percent, and dude, 
I texted you yesterday and said, this Alabama team is awful. They are garbage. <laughs> and, and I know that they're not. I am overreacting in the worst kind of way. But um, the fake field goal for a touchdown was a lot of fun. I don't know if you went back and watched that one. Uh, yeah, that was, dude, that was, that was, I, it is, how can you not love Sam Pittman and oh, what they're awesome. doing at Arkansas right now? That's, they oh are my so gosh, fun. that's so fun. I, I think between this game and a couple others we were tracking, there's like scientists can pinpoint the exact moment when you and I both decided, hey, we're going to open an afternoon beer yesterday. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, there, and there were multiple opened uh, because I was just, I was up against yeah. it early, early on. It was, it was kind of rough. Um, total yardage in this uh, uh, Arkansas Fort. 468 total yards. Alabama, 671. So Alabama had 8.8 yards per play, 6.4 yards per play for Arkansas. Uh, both ran, you know, mid-70s plays in the game. Uh, Arkansas went for it on fourth down three times. They got all three of them. One of those, obviously, was that fake field goal. Uh, third downs, Alabama, 6 of 11. Arkansas, 7 of 16. Nobody could stop anybody in this game. Uh, it was it was bananas, and, and nobody really ran the ball. Alabama had 112 yards uh, it was 145 sack-adjusted rushing yards. But Arkansas ran for 110, uh, 133 sack-adjusted. This was very interesting. Like, Alabama has basically two healthy running backs left. They, they have had multiple guys go down with seasoning-ending uh, injuries. And this is Brian Robinson's team, 27 for 122. Uh, Trey Sanders ran it one time, you know, in there. And they are probably going to get him some more work against Auburn next week. But... Traylon Smith, I kind of expected some more from in this game. They only ran him nine times, but I, I think he's been dealing with some injuries. Uh, Traylon Burks had eight receptions, 179 yards. This is this was a fun, fun ball game. Like every time Alabama would get up, they were up 31 to 14 early in the third quarter, and Arkansas found a way to come back and just they got they got dudes on that team. Like they got some studs there. They, what uh, what do you think man. about this one? They, they really do have athletes. And again, they're just, um, I, I mean, I just love, I, I think I'm trying to find the exact point it was. I, I know that many teams would quit at the half. Alabama comes out with a drive 31 to 31 to 14. Yeah. So many teams quit there and Arkansas scored three more touchdowns and, and had the ball. I mean, and, and scored a touchdown with four minutes left. Like they, I mean, they did not give up at all, which I think that maybe Alabama a little bit, has in the past expected that of people it's like hey man we're gonna go two shots to the face and then you're just gonna lay down and we're gonna ride this out we'll both make our money and go home and sec west teams i mean look at how feisty these are like jimbo son of a gun doesn't want to quit lane son of a gun will not quit sam Pittman will outwork you until he dies like some of these sec west guys are just not taking this hey that's right we lose it you know we we lose like look at I mean, look at um, Mike, uh, Mike Leach against Auburn two weeks ago or whatever that was, yes. where Auburn was up 20 to three or something. And the SEC West in the past just used to say, you're right, the big boy punched me. I'll let the bully take my lunch money and then I'll sit back and, and try and get some other wins. And a lot of these guys are saying, no, dude, we don't have to take that. Uh, and that, that was super impressive. Um, what, what's crazy to me, KJ Jefferson pressured on 30, almost 33% of dropbacks, so like one in three there, pressured a ton, but he was able to get away from it. They only sacked him twice on 11 of those. And he completed, you know, 56% of his passes. He was able to make something out of nothing there um, and, and scramble pretty um, – and, and, and scrambling wasn't part of his rushing attack. Like, he was either yeah. getting away from it, throwing an incompletion, or he was he was getting, getting you know, the check down yards there too. So, I think that was pretty frustrating for Alabama's defense as well. No, he, he was 
incredibly accurate. Like 22 out of 30, 326 and three touchdowns. I mean, that's a that's a QBR damn near 200. Like he is unbelievable yeah. and the battle between those two guys, like he one he's massive, right? I mean, he looks like a Cam Newton type as far as his size. Um and you watch him compared to Bryce Young and Bryce Young is this little little tiny dude that's like running around in the pocket like scampering around. It it's really it's a stark contrast. I I enjoyed this. Uh, I will tell you, as an Alabama fan, there are not a lot of opportunities to have like close, you know, grab your guts games, you know. And this was one of them. Alabama turned the football over with eight minutes left, roundabout in the ball game. Turned it over on the one yard line. Cameron Latu uh, caught a pass, was running into the end zone or trying to run into the end zone. Gets the ball stripped. Arkansas recovers. So they actually had a shot. They had possession with a chance to take the lead. And luckily, the Alabama defense got a stop. Uh, I mean, they they get some stops here and there. Uh, the, the defense isn't awful. But there are, there are games like this where, okay, 3 out of 3 on fourth down, 7 to 16 on third down. Uh, they threw for 358. It's like, okay, can we ever put this thing away? Right? And it just doesn't happen yeah. for whatever reason. So it... It was rather frustrating as an Alabama fan to watch. Um, yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you get a win, and it's a nice, close, everybody's watching kind of game, which is what it turned into. Like, I, I don't think that a lot of people were planning to watch this, but uh, but it lets me know, like, anytime you've got Alabama as a massive, massive favorite, at, I mean, it's not just an automatic that you got to take them, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it used to be Alabama plus whatever was the bet always. And, and, and this year, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of been crazy. Um, one, one weird little stat thing I noticed about Bryce young this year and what they're having to do on offense, Bryce young, uh, has passed, has had 40, 40 dropbacks. One, uh, let me make sure I get my math right. One, two, three, four, five times. And in four of their last five conference games, he's had 40 or more passing dropbacks. Mac Jones only passed for 40, only, only 40 dropbacks twice, both in postseason, Florida in the championship game and then Ohio State in the championship. Tua, in his uh, 2019 season, only passed 40 times uh, twice. So, like, Alabama's having to throw the ball way, way more with Bryce Young uh, because I think that their rushing attack hasn't been as dominant. And, you know, who knows what's going on in Bill O'Brien's head. But to me, it just with, – with, with the teams not quitting and with Alabama kind of stylistically looking at different – it does feel like we're in one of those transition periods for the age of college football. That's not to say oh, yeah. Alabama's phasing out. They're obviously still excellent, even if they're flawed. But, but I mean, it just does feel you're like, man, things are – we're going to look back in a couple of years and be like, oh, yeah, Alabama started passing a ton. That's that's the thing that happened, yeah. Which is it, – it, it's kind of nuts because we did have this around the time of the A&M game that everybody was discussing, hey, you need to run the damn ball more. And the issue is that, yeah, if you've only got two healthy backs, and even when they did have Roy Dell Williams and Jace McClellan and whatnot, that was still a little bit of an issue, right? You you still don't have that premier back that is really – these guys are all young. Like, I will tell you this, this team is going to be uh, really good, I think, next season because it, basically everybody's coming back. Uh, Bryce Young, only a sophomore, like he's got a lot of learning to do. The offensive line, still growing up, still trying to figure things out. I mean, they were without uh, – uh, they had their center back yesterday, and I forget his name. I should know it. Um, but it, he's still dealing with, uh, you know, a little bit of an injury, the ankle injury and whatnot. It, there's it, – the continuity 
and everything that they had in 2020 will never be replicated. Uh, the Bill O'Brien thing. Yeah, in, in the NFL, it's not as easy to get two yards on third and two. So a lot of teams, if you do have a, a superstar quarterback, you throw the football. It makes sense. Uh, <laughs> Ryan McCracken jumped in on, on YouTube. I think I could get 10 catches versus Bama. I mean, probably. <laughs> okay, here's – I'm, I'm not going to read this word for word, but my tweet yesterday was like – I'm trying to remember what game it was where I saw somebody catch something over the middle and just get obliterated. And I thought – I tweeted and thought, every time I see that happen to a wide receiver, I remember how quickly I would die in a college football game. Like, there was no getting by in a college football game. I couldn't just, like, hide out and not get murdered. I would die immediately. Yes. Some of these dudes take a shoulder to the ribs and still hold on to the ball. Not me. Couldn't do it. No. Would die. Impossible. Impossible. All right, um, let's, let's move I don't on. Want to talk about, oh, wait, I don't want to talk about Alabama forever, but I don't have any place else to get these thoughts out. <laughs> I wonder if next year there's not going to be an overcorrection because like this year in the passing game, it's like Bryce Young, dance around and then make something happen. Yes. Next year, if their offensive line's a little better, is there going to be like an adjustment period for Bryce Young to learn to stay in the pocket and make his reads? Because I think a little bit, we're seeing that at Oklahoma with Rattler this year. Last year, Rattler was like playing chaos ball and it was ebb and flow. We're like, all right, this might go well. Yeah. This year he's had time. And he got benched because he just can't make his stinking reads. Yeah, that's, I, I do wonder. I mean, it depends on if Bill O'Brien is still there next year, right? I think that's a big part of it. Um, because I think that Bill O'Brien runs it very much like an NFL offense. And Saban would much rather. I mean, they, remember, he did this the last NFL guy that he, if you want to count Sarkeesian as NFL. So the guy before him, Brian Dable, uh Saban kind of ran him out after one season. Yeah, they won a national title, but he didn't like the way that Dable uh, called the offense. He just he, he did not like the way that he was handling uh, the Jalen situation. And then, of course, Tua comes in, wins the national title and all this kind of stuff. But he immediately caught the next train out of town and took the Buffalo Bills offense coordinator job. Um, you know, and then you, you come in with guys that you know. Like, this is all of this that Alabama's running is a variation of Lane Kiffin's offense. It's, it, he brought this yeah. offense in, and Saban took it and molded it and adjusted it, and it's it's all Kiffin, it, his tempo offense. Uh, there's just different wrinkles to it. So it's, I mean, there's nothing crazy, but it, it's it's whoever's calling the plays. And if it's still O'Brien next year, I don't know that you'll see a lot of that, but you could certainly see it if they were to bring in somebody else. So uh, Ball yeah. Python Love jumped in and said, uh, Rattler isn't good at all. <laughs> You're not wrong. The word I've heard about Rattler is that he watches his own highlights. That's all I'll say about it. Oh, God. that's a, The 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 videos of him from when he was in high school are so you can't put a kid in that. You can't put a kid in that much of a spotlight and expect him not to. Yeah, man, gosh. I know. But I oh, saw it and was like, oh, man. All right, let's, uh, let's move okay, on. Get, get me off Alabama because otherwise I'm going to start talking about all the drama with Kirby Smart taking pictures of the defensive board, but – uh, Nick Saban was photocopying Lane Kiffin's playbook. So there you go. That's the way it goes. <laughs> hey, uh, you you come in and, and you're working in a spot. That's the way it's going to be. Uh, Ohio State 56, Michigan State 7. I don't even know where to begin with this. Uh, this was a 49 to nothing beatdown at the half. Michigan State could do nothing. They only had 224 total yards, only 66 rushing yards against Ohio State, which was honestly. A little bit shocking to me. The only points that Michigan State scored were actually off of a turnover. Um, but, of course, Ohio State got seven points of their own off of a Michigan State turnover. Uh, five out of six in the red zone for Ohio State. One for one for Michigan State. This is I just... I, I look at these numbers, and <laughs> I, mean, 
Michigan State was a top seven team. They they were top three a couple of weeks ago. Like this is unbelievable when you when you look at this. I, now the one thing I can't figure out, Travion Henderson, they only ran him nine times for sixty three yards. Did I miss an injury in here somewhere? No, I know Master Teague was out, and so maybe they were being selective in well, deploying so, him so that they it, well Master they Teague ran. I mean, he was he Master Teague ran twenty one times oh. for ninety five yards. What the heck? I thought he was limited. They they talked maybe about maybe him it's being vice limited. versa. Maybe I saw that backwards. I don't I don't know, but yeah, that seems very odd because I just I mean again I you know after the first three drives I turned this off. Um, <laughs> but I thought I saw Master Teague was limited, and so I assumed Henderson's low rush total was because he was limited, and I read it wrong. Weird. It's it's know. very strange. Uh, I, I understand. He has like, been. Uh, uh, sorry, we're talking over each other. No, no, you're good. Uh, Teague has been. Teague has been their guy in cleanup time, though, all season. I, I did a project for a guy, um, a Big Ten guy, earlier this season and was looking at, like, whose who's rushes come in the most garbage time. And Master Teague was, like, the most in the nation by almost 20%. He's, he's the cleanup guy. He's mopping up. So that makes sense that he has a ton. But I thought he was limited. I don't know. He, uh, he, he certainly cleaned up. Um, Ohio State scored on their first seven drives. <laughs> scored a touchdown on their first seven drives. Uh, they missed a field goal in the second half. They threw an interception. Uh, they eventually scored a touchdown with uh, 3.30 left on the clock. It was a 16-play, 75-yard drive uh, that started with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter and then ended with three minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter. I mean, just talk, completely taking the air out of the ball. Um, and Michigan State completely got away from what they do. This was... You you look at the numbers for Kenneth Walker the third, six carries for twenty five yards, and that's it. They threw the ball thirty eight times, uh, completed sixteen passes for one hundred fifty eight yards and a touchdown. I just I, this I I saw this coming because if you look at the numbers, obviously you look at whether it's advanced stats or whatever else, uh, you could just see that Michigan State's pass defense was really bad. Well, one of the ways to combat that is find a way to keep the ball away from them. And they just didn't do it. And I don't know why they did it that way. I mean, I, I have no idea what the thinking was. Uh, but, hey, I mean, Mel Tucker's getting a 10-year, $95 million deal. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I, it's crazy. I mean, I had I had Ohio State as the third-best rushing defense going into this game. But Michigan State only has the 62nd best rushing offense. I think they rush with volume and wait and try and get a big opportunity. And they just couldn't get successful enough plays to get enough volume to even have a chance to break off a big play against Ohio State. Man, they just got, I mean, they got thrashed. And even, so I, I think I was just looking at this. I think they only had the ball in Ohio State territory twice and they missed a field goal. And then the, the touchdown that they scored where they started at their own 49. Yeah. Well, um, in the third so, I mean, quarter, they, they couldn't do anything in the third quarter. They punted from the Ohio state 38. So oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not a, uh, not great. So yeah, the, the first three drives, uh, five plays, 15 yards and a punt after Ohio state took the opening dr- opening kickoff, uh, 12 plays, 86 yards for a touchdown. Jeez. They they go down 13 plays, 55 yards on their next drive. Um, Michigan State does and missed a field goal. And then the next drive went five plays, 19 yards, and they fumbled, and Ohio State immediately scored. So, uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> you can't give them short fields. You can't make mistakes. You can't be missing field goals. Uh, after that, it was uh, three plays, six yards, punt. Three plays, negative 10 yards, punt. Three plays, five yards, punt. Um 
you know, six plays, 16 yards, punt. Four plays, 38 yards, punt. Uh, three plays, zero yards, punt. And then they finally got a touchdown late, but, like, I mean, that was on a short field, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, I just – yeah. Uh, Josh, uh, Josh jumps nothing. in on YouTube and said, that's some LSU stats. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty absurd. Um, Brian jumped in. He said, had Michigan State plus 19 and a half, brutal and over quick. Yes. Yes. It was yeah. a disaster. Um, only one three and out for Ohio State, five for Michigan State. Just, just brutal. Um, let's talk about a, a game that was a lot more fun. UAB went to UTSA and lost 34 to 31. The postgame win expectancy numbers here per college football data was UAB 93%. Uh, if you did not see this, at the end of the game, uh, what was what's the guy's name? Oscar something. Uh, da, 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 scoring plays. There we go. Uh, Oscar Card- Cardenas caught a one-yard touchdown pass that was actually tipped at the line of scrimmage, uh, or tipped, I guess, behind the line of scrimmage, um, that was batted up in the air. He caught it in the end zone with three seconds left on the clock. Just absolutely fantastic. It, the fans rushed the field afterwards. Like, the what is it, the Alamo Dome is, uh, is where they play? It was unreal. And, and I've got family that were actually down there that were taking video from on the field, and that fan base is rabid. There were so many people at this game. There it, were over 35,000 people in the Alamo Dome. A dude sent a, sent a uh, sent me, uh, he, he sent a screenshot from the press box, 110 decibels. It was insane yes. in there. On TV, you could tell they muted it because the announcers are so much louder. You could just hear kind of the dull roar. Um, what an awesome game. Like, this was just back and forth. In the first half, they basically just traded touchdowns. Five consecutive drives, they scored, or four, four consecutive drives, they scored touchdowns and then swapped field goals at the end of the half. Like, this was just haymakers back and forth. Um, dude, shout out to, uh, one, Frank Harris, 25 to 36, 323 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's awesome. But if you look at uh, Zachary Franklin is the wide receiver, yep. had a monster day for them, 97 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, Clark, Clark had 104 yards, too. He was great on volume. Franklin had a one-handed catch in the first half for a touchdown that should be on every highlight reel ever. Yes. I mean, um, Harris put a good ball. It was like, this guy gets it or not. And he just brought it in. I mean, it was just, it was incredible. He brought it in. That This game, Gary, my favorite thing about this game, it didn't matter for the playoff. They didn't say playoff in the broadcast. Oh. We were we were there for the Conference USA West Division title, and it ruled. It was one of my favorite games yesterday. It was phenomenal. The way that UAB lost this game, uh, they did throw one one interception. Um, I don't believe... Did that one actually lead two points? I don't believe it did, I, um, but I don't remember. Uh, let's see. No, the interception, they punted after, and yeah. so maybe you could argue they flipped the field because they... So they punted, and UAB starts at their own 10, and then they punt, and, you know, and uh, UTSA, UTSA comes back 44. Yeah. yeah. And then they kick a field goal. But, I mean, the, the defense has showed up in the second half after kind of an explosion in the first half. Um, you have the, the UTSA touchdown to answer... And then only a field goal until UAB scores uh, in the fourth quarter. And then, I mean, UTSA had to drive the length of the field twice because they went for it on, or they had first and 10 at the UAB 41, four straight incompletions, uh, or three three straight incompletions, and then went for it on fourth and 10. And then they had to drive 77 yards to score the winning touchdown. So it was stressful there for, for UTSA. They basically had to put together two scoring drives to um, to get that last touchdown. The the way that UAB was able to lose this game, total yards, 474 for UAB, 375 for UTSA. UTSA, by the way, 
34 rushing attempts for 52 yards. UAB held them to 1.5 a clip, and that is impressive Jeez. against this offense, against against Frank Harris yeah. Jr. and Sincere McCormick. Uh, to be able to do that, uh, Sincere McCormick, by the way, 20 carries, 65 yards total with one touchdown, um, which that should tell you about the sack-adjusted yards right there. Uh, I mean, the fact that he had 65 and the team total was 52 uh, that's everything you need to know. UTSA was actually 8 of 15 on third downs, 0 of 1 on fourth downs. Uh, UAB, 5 out of 12 on third down. So, you know, it's not great, uh, but, you know, better than blah. So uh, the way that UAB actually lost the game, look at penalty yards. I love looking at, like, these hidden yardage totals. Oh, yeah. Six yeah. penalties for 35 yards for UTSA. UAB had 13 for 124. Like, that will get you beat time and time again. Uh, they they extended drives for UTSA. They cost themselves yards, put themselves in bad situations. This was uh, this was a fun ball game. I mean, UAB is is such a well coached team that you knew that that they were going to come in here just guns blazing. Um, and now, as far as the the standings go for Conference USA, we have actually got da, 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 pulling it up right now. Uh, We've got Western Kentucky on one side, and this was basically for the Conference USA West, and UTSA has got this thing wrapped up now. I mean, yeah, UAB's got yeah, two losses. They can't lose. Yeah, they can't lose it. So UTSA against Western Kentucky, and if you remember that game, we talked about it on this show, uh, that was a hell of a game. Hell of a game. So I'm yeah. I'm excited about this. Uh, Western Kentucky still has – who have they got? Uh, they still have at Marshall. Okay, so, so – Marshall ain't out of this thing. Marshall's only one game back. That's going to be a fun ball game. Marshall yeah. Western Kentucky next week is going to be a lot of fun. So. I, I think so. Um, one, I want if it's Western Kentucky, that's especially interesting to me because, dude, shout out to UTSA's defense. Uh, so four seventy four total yards for UAB. Three hundred and eighty three of those came in the first half, and then ninety one total yards in the second half. Absolutely turned the water off. The only touchdown was a short field after a, a pretty decent punt return for UAB. Um, UTS, on, on the other hand, UAB, I mean, they, they, we have to shout out Rice here, I think is what I have to do. I'm trying to figure out like where to go with this, but Rice has two of the, the, the weirdest wins, season altering wins this season, last season, they beat UAB this year, um, at UAB 30 to 24. And then last year at the end of the season, remember they beat Marshall, even though Grant Wells is hard hurt. So it's a little bit like Rice just out of nowhere beat a really, really good UAB team. Other than Rice, UAB's losses at Georgia, of course, versus Liberty, understandable. And then at UTSA, this team is very good, way better than the seven and four, uh, maybe maybe seven and five, depending on how UTEP looks next week that they're going to finish. Like, this is a really solid team. The thing that, like, the Rice game is the one that just really, really irks you, right? Like, Liberty, you can understand. Yeah. Georgia, you can understand. And, and at an undefeated UTSA, you can totally understand. The Rice game just made no sense. Just no sense. Uh, when you go back and you look at like the uh, the team stats on that, uh, again, UAB had 10, uh, 10 penalties for 108 yards against Rice. Like, you, can't, yeah. you can't win ball games when you're, when you're having double-digit penalties for triple digits. I mean, that's, that's bananas. Oh, my gosh. And Rice had scoring. We need to get out of Rice. I'm sorry. Rice <laughs> had scoring drives of 50 and 51 yards to start the game to go up 13 to nothing. Yes. That's wild. That's just flu. That's crazy. Yeah, short fields, man. Those are something else. Put you in a hole every time. Every time.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, all right, so let's move into the train wrecks. You know I always discuss these on the show on Sunday mornings. Um, we're going to talk about all three of these together at the same time. We're talking Texas, Florida, and Nebraska uh, because everybody in college football cannot stand to turn away from a train wreck, and that's what these programs have basically turned into at this point. Uh, West Virginia beats Texas 31-23. to The postgame win expectancy was West Virginia 71%. Without B. John Robinson, uh, I did not expect much from this Longhorns offense at all. Uh, as far as uh, the rushing offense goes, Keelan Roberts, uh, Robinson, who was at Alabama last year, transferred over to Texas because he thought the Alabama running back room was too loaded. Uh, he finally got his shot in this one, had nine carries for 111 yards and one touchdown. Um, but the other kid, uh, Johnson, 15 carries, 77 yards. Like Texas put up 203 yards rushing on 28 attempts. That's 7.3 a clip. And... Still couldn't really get anything done. Like, they they did uh, Hudson Card, 10 out of 16, 123 yards, one touchdown. Casey Thompson could do nothing. Four out of 14, 29 yards passing and a touch, or in a, uh, an interception. Uh, Jared Dagey, again, I, <laughs> 27 out of 43, 290 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, what what are we doing? Like, what, what is Jared Dagey? I don't, I don't, what did you call him? Uh, Schrodinger's quarterback. Schrodinger's quarterback, man. When he's, when you think he's good, he's bad. When you think he's bad, he's good. He doesn't make sense. Um, I mean, yeah, just, uh, uh, this, this is two really bad teams uh, (laughs) playing here. And with the thing I noticed, like last week against Kansas, Texas just threw four really bad interceptions, like inexplicable. You can't do this interceptions. And that's why they lost this week. They, they, they threw one interception, but they went two for 10 on fourth down on third and fourth downs two for 10 uh, yes. West Virginia only went 12 for 20. I mean, that's, that's 60, 60%. So like they were able to extend drives, but I mean, Texas just lost this game on third down. Um, I'm trying to see what that interception, uh, what the timing of that. Um, Let's see. I honestly don't even see that in play by play. Play by play is a mess, man. Where, where the heck did they throw an interception? Uh, I don't think West Virginia did throw an interception. But where is... No, Texas did. Texas, Texas did? threw one, but... We know what they don't have play it play. Yeah, play-by-play is so so off this year. Dude, it's so frustrating. E- either way, Texas has committed the cardinal sin of um, trying to let the quarterbacks compete in real time, which you just absolutely can't do. I mean, I think that... I think that they pulled card in the um, Arkansas game a little early prematurely. Like that was just a, a, a salve. 
and then they beat the heck out of a couple really bad teams with Casey Thompson. And everyone thought, oh, clearly Casey Thompson's the answer, but their problems run really, really, really deep here. Um, obviously locker rooms issues and everything. But I mean, I look at this, this again, in the second half, Texas is just, they just can't adapt at all. They lost Oklahoma and Oklahoma State games after big leads early. Whatever Sark is trying to do at halftime is just not working for this team. Um, well, this, it's interesting to see. I'm going I'm oh, to give ahead, them yeah. a, little bit of, uh, a little bit of credit because uh, they did outscore West Virginia in the second half. Like, yeah. They outscored them 14-10. to 10, But the problem was uh, you were already down, you know, 21 to what? 21 to 10? Oh, no, sorry. They outscored them 13 to 10. Uh, but they, yeah. like, again, you're already down going into the half. Uh, the first four drives for Texas, three plays, six yards punt, three plays, one yard punt, three plays, four yards punt, three plays, three yards punt. Like, and then they're down 14 to nothing before they ever see the ball again. Like, yeah, you're already in a hole, and I, there is there are so many cultural issues at Texas. And I told you in the offseason, when Sark was hired and he immediately started coming out basically spewing the the boosters garbage right off the bat, I thought, man, we are going to have some problems here. Like, this is, this is not a changeover from Tom Herman, like, at all. This is, it, it, honestly, I think Tom Herman would have handled it better because at least the, the players knew that Tom Herman was on their side. Like, Herman did not get fired for wins and losses. He got fired specifically because he did not get along with the boosters. Like, that's, or the, the board of trustees, like the, the people in charge, the people that write the checks. Uh, because the players liked him, you know? At, at least some of them did. Obviously, there were some that wanted to get out of there. But uh, this, this yeah, Sark thing yeah. is, I mean, you're going to have to get some, some company men in there if you want to be successful at Texas. Like, that's, that's the only I way did. they're going to turn this around. I did hear that they have uh, called a certain uh, recently uh, recently unoccupied Big Twelve head coach to come talk about their defensive issues. Huh? I could uh I could believe that. I could. Believe I, that. I think that Tom Herman only wins the Kansas game. Otherwise, I think Tom Herman gets his team to to they're 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 five and six right now instead of four and seven. Do you? Because looking at this, I I don't think they beat Oklahoma or Oklahoma State with Tom Herman. I think Baylor, I mean, dudes were just, they should have beat Baylor, dude. They were dropping yeah. passes. Yeah. Um, Iowa State, Kansas, and in West Virginia, they just look flat. Like, it looks like they've quit. Obviously, a lot's been going on since then. Um, and so I do, I do think this is going to be regime change issues, and they're going to have to, um, there's going to be some churn. You what's, wonder. What's their defense coordinator's if, name? Pete, uh, something. Pete, Cook, it starts with a K, and I, I, I want to call it something that it's not, so I never say it. But he's, uh, he's, he's at, he was the Washington, he was at Washington, too. Yeah. yeah. He was the one that I thought was kind of the brains behind the operation at uh, at Texas. I mean, at uh, at Washington. Like I, I never thought that yeah. Jimmy Lake was like the the brains guy. Um, but yeah, I, I thought this was a really good get for Sark, and it has not turned out well. Uh, at and, all. They, and they just don't have the personnel. I, I think they took like something like five or six transfer linebackers trying to look for somebody to come play the right position, and so it's just been yeah, it's 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 rough scene for them. I think Del Conte, the athletic director, will have enough patience to give him, you know, three years to turn this thing around. Um, it, but but it, there's ways that you could say, after everything that went on with Texas last year and after how underwhelming they've been for so long, you could say maybe this is a year zero situation. Yeah, but yeah, at the that. University of Texas, 
you don't get a year zero really. And so if, if Del Conte can believe it's a year zero, I think, I think that Sark can put the right pieces in with the talent to do what he wants to do. I think he's just going to, I mean, what Texas has needed for years is someone to come in and say, shut up and let me win football games. Yeah. And if Sark's able to do that by, you know, pretending to kiss boosters butts publicly, maybe that's, maybe that'll work out. Here's hoping the, the thing that irritated me in the off season is when the fan base and the boosters got all riled up about him hiring Mike Stoops as his linebackers coach. And then he, you know, came back, told Mike, Hey, sorry, I can't hire you here. It's like, yeah. okay, who's actually running the show then? Because you can't negotiate with terrorists, man. You can't exactly. do it. If you think that he's the best fit for your football team, go hire him. Like, don't let anybody else tell you what to do with your job. But alas, here we are They're talking about train wrecks. Of course, let's move into, uh, Missouri 24, Florida 23. Oof. Um, it, this was not a yardage issue. This was, you know, Florida outgained them 360 to 286 total yards. Um, Florida only had 93 rushing yards. I don't know what Missouri has done as far as their rushing defense is concerned, but the last two weeks against South Carolina and Florida, they have given up less than 100 yards to both of them, and it is kind of unbelievable. 2.4 yards per rush for Florida. Uh, luckily, Emory Jones could throw it a little bit. Like, 20 out of 32, 261 yards. Uh, no touchdowns, no interceptions. I just... I I don't... That number cannot be right. I think these stats are so jacked up. How did it's Florida so score? Goofy. They got 23 points. How did they actually... All right, I'm looking at the drives. Because I did not watch all of this game. Uh, I mean, why would you? Why would you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So field goal, field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. But who scored the damn touchdowns? Three plays, fifty yards. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. This. So I'm looking at Is the internet broadcast. broken. What's happening here? I don't know. I just I have no idea. Which Larry Pilgrim jumped in and said, "Just woke up. Go Utes." Yeah, he's our resident Utah fan. Absolutely nice. love it for you, Larry. Congratulations. I know you're excited. Hey, I had somebody ask okay. me. This is a little okay. off topic. I had somebody ask me last night uh, in my Twitter DMs, is this the biggest win in Utah history? And I said, absolutely not. Like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, this is a big win, and it feels huge in the moment. But what about the Sugar Bowl win? What about the uh, the Fiesta Bowl win? What about, like, the conference championship? Alabama and the Sugar Bowl. Yeah, no, no, no. No, no, no. This is not. Also, Kyle Willingham is peak, like, cool guys don't don't look at explosions. He's like, yeah, dude, we should win the Pac-12 every year. This doesn't phase me. Um, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Uh, wait, can I ask a question, too? Because we're looking at Florida scoring or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to flip Missouri. One score loss at Kentucky. One score loss at Boston College. If Missouri is 9-3 and three right now, I mean, what I have a very low opinion of what – Eli's been doing there, but they're, they're like a couple of plays away from nine and three. Uh, the last couple of games, I mean, against Vandy, South Carolina, Florida, they have just beaten teams that like feasibly they could have, they could have lost to not like convincingly, but like they, they easily could have lost two of those games. Uh, you know, no, can't blame them for getting beat by Georgia, but I mean, I'm not ready to put Arkansas on upset alert. But I am saying, like, Missouri's playing pretty good ball here at yes. the end of the season. And if you look at their entire resume, they might not be as bad. I mean, the 62 points to Tennessee doesn't look as bad in retrospect. Tennessee can 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 sling the ball a little bit. I mean, I, I, 
Arkansas better not get not have a letdown after Alabama oh, yeah. because Missouri, I think, is a team who's shown they can they can get somebody who's down. Yes, they can absolutely get somebody that's down. So, uh, cheers to to Missouri. Which, by the way, the the stats would tell you obviously post game win expectancy. Florida was seventy six percent here. They they had every opportunity to win this ball game, and there was nothing that stands out uh, as far as you know anything in this game. And they did have nine well, penalties for eighty yards. First and ten at the Missouri thirty field goal. First yeah. and ten at the Missouri first and goal at the Missouri two field goal. Uh first and what's the other field goal? First and ten at the Missouri twenty-four field goal. So uh, the, and then they scored. Here, here's the thing though. Uh it, so we're talking about scoring opportunities, right? Florida had seven yeah. inside the Missouri forty. They scored sixteen points. That's only two point two nine, right? Not That's not great. That's not good. Uh but Missouri only had five, and they scored 16 points as well. That's 3.2. So it's not like it, – it wasn't like Missouri dominated this football game, right? Obviously, no, with no, the overtime. Fl- Florida gave this away. Like, Missouri played well enough to let to capitalize on Florida being done. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, uh, so can we – I mean, do we talk about Dan possibly? Like, knowing what the market I... is like, uh, I just I, – I refuse to believe that they are going to let him go – without having some kind of a plan. This just this seemed to happen so quickly. But also, you got to figure out what your program is going to be, right? You can't just fire somebody, go hire somebody, and then hope for the best. you gotta, you got to actually plan this stuff out. Um, I, I don't think that they, they get him to fire the offensive line coach and the de- uh, defense coordinator if they're going to let him go at the end of the season, right? Yeah, yeah. Unless that was just a true like desperation move to get some cover, I think their best case scenario, kind of midway through the season, was like Mullen takes an NFL job and all's well that ends well. Um, but something that else that complicates this: so Miami looks like it's going to open, LSU's open, USC's open, um, Arizona State. Something I forgot about Arizona State regarding a certain candidate who Florida would be interested in hiring. I think would be very interested in Florida. Arizona State has huge NCAA, NCAA hammer about the swing down. Like, yeah. I forgot about this totally this season. Everything I've been looking at a coaching search completely off of my mind. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna sacrifice Herm to try and get out of get out from that from that hammer. And and man, I think that ultimately uh, th- there are so many good jobs open. Who are they gonna hire? That's that's the issue, right? It's who do you hire? Because it, yeah, you're Florida. You're a great job. All all that, but it just seems very chaotic in Gainesville. And, you know, I mean, if you're Billy Napier, uh, which I'll say the name, you don't have to. <laughs> if you're Billy Napier and you've got all these different options, right, which I, I think, I personally think TCU is going to go after Sonny Dykes, which I don't know why you would, but either way, I thought that those I'm were... Not, I'm not breaking news. Napier's not going to TCU. Yeah, that's okay, over. So that's, yeah, okay. Dykes to TCU. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. done. All right, so Napier still has uh, Virginia Tech... And then there's Florida, that's an option. And then possibly Arizona State if he wants to go deal with NCAA crap, right? Uh, I am just... I, And then it's a, Josh jumps in, God, I can't wait for LSU to finally announce who the man is. Uh, and Larry Pilgrim said, ASU got shoes issues. Yeah, it's there, there's a lot going on at Arizona State. It's just, it's a train wreck. Um, I, I don't know, like, if you're Florida... Maybe you just play this out, see what happens next year, because I don't necessarily think 
it would be crazy to think that if you don't have Emory Jones, you might actually be a better football team. Like this is it, it, this is all I'm, yeah. I'm brainstorming right now, right? This is this is Nebraska with Adrian Martinez. Like, would you like to see this coach one more season with a different guy? Right? That sometimes if you got the wrong guy, there's just nothing you can do. Uh, if you get a full season of Anthony Richardson healthy, give him all the first team reps in the offseason, what does he do? Now, if you have another bad season with another bad quarterback or whatever, then okay. But this this whole jumping the gun on some of these coaches is there's a lot of programs that could be setting themselves back quite a bit. Um, yeah. And this, this well, and I think this into- is maybe uh, so, so two wrinkles into that one, Anthony Richardson removed uh, all Florida stuff from his Twitter bio last night, which is uh, okay. Spicy I did not and fun. See that. I'm glad you paid attention to that. I did not see that. Uh, I, I somewhere, somewhere SEC Mike retweeted. That's the only reason I saw it. Um, the other thing here, I think that Dan Mullen is in like an, and maybe even Scott Frost is like in an anti Matt Campbell situation at Iowa state. So like Campbell with Purdy is, is kind of been limited by Purdy, but basically only succeeded because of Purdy. Yes. And so there is a, for, for every reason you have to think that like Florida might be better if they can figure out the quarterback position with someone else, you might think like, Oh, Iowa state, Iowa state might be worse there. Um, I think that you just don't want to get in a bidding war for Lane Kiffin if the Napier stuff doesn't work out. Like Lane Kiffin probably sent out 20 text messages last night that was just like pay up nerds. Like I don't I I'm not I'm not showing you my binder. You can pay me. Um if and if, so I wonder what 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 Florida thinks they can do, especially with like Washington open. I mean, they're just big, yeah. big jobs too. Washington and USC and LSU. I just don't know that you want to compete for those guys, knowing that like Mullen's a little crazy, but like Mullen has been successful in the past and George is a flying death machine right now. I just don't think you want to try and make a hire and end up with trying to talk yourself into Sean Clark being the future at Florida or something. Yeah. Uh, the, who was it? Pete Thamel, I think said, and this was weeks ago. He said, I have to wonder if it wouldn't be a smart idea for both programs. If Penn state and Florida were to uh, trade head coaches, like an NFL trade, take James Franklin down to Gainesville, take Dan Mullen up to Penn State, uh, both fan bases, I think, would actually be happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm conflicted. Like, again, change of scenery is like an underrated aspect. Yes, yes, very and, much and, so. And there's something to be said about like, um, I mean, it's kind of like cleaning off your desk, right? And you just get to, you know, hey, it's like, oh man, I've been meaning to rearrange the way these lights and this camera are for weeks. And if I just cleaned everything off and started fresh, maybe I'd be able to set it up the same exact stuff but I'd set it up in a little bit different way. I'd take care of some stuff that I had. Maybe that would work for Dan Mullen. Um, I mean, the one thing about, there's just no rest in that for either team. I mean, I think the SEC East is a little bit easier than the Big Ten East. No, I don't think that. That's objectively true. Um, and so, like, I know that, you know, Penn State is probably not psyched about having to play Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State every single year. Florida, you're basically – you know, if I can, if I can just not get embarrassed by Georgia, I should beat everyone else in this in this program. So that's yes. that's interesting to me. Yes, maybe I hire Gus Malzahn to come back, come back around. <laughs> uh, Larry jumped in. So Ball Python Love, of course, said, "Smack that like button for the hosts." Yes, we certainly appreciate that uh, for sure. And uh, and then Larry jumped in. I'm wondering if Slovis and Jaden Daniels entered the transfer portal. Mullen guys quit. I think haven't watched. So just speculating. Uh, they. They certainly don't seem to be giving a hundred percent. It doesn't 
it doesn't seem like that considering we have seen them play really really well and now it is just a complete cluster like there's I have no idea what to expect from this team at, at any point so I could I mean maybe I could see Jaden Daniels leaving uh because he it's not like he's played great he's supposed to be uh, a superstar <laughs> Jim Johnson keep your hands off Gus Malzahn <laughs> I don't think you got anything to worry about with Gus. I don't think Gus is leaving UCF right now. Um, yeah, I could, I could see Slovis or Jaden Daniels in Gainesville. Um, I don't know that Slovis brings anything to the table as far as uh, the SEC competition is concerned. Um, but you know, Jaden Daniels is intriguing. Uh, him with with Dan Mullen could be real, real interesting. Like yeah, that, that would be. Would a lot you of rather? <laughs> Would you rather uh, Spencer Rattler or Jaden Daniels? I take Jaden Daniels in a heartbeat. Interesting. In a heartbeat, like not Interesting. even close. I think I think his ceiling is so much higher than Spencer Rattler's. So much higher. Like it's just unbelievable. Because I I think that Jaden Daniels can actually read a defense. Yeah, that's that's. that's I think that that might be true. And in the one, SEC, one thing I was like thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think there's two things that are interesting to me. One, Bailey Zapp transferred up, right? Yes. So technically could still transfer. Um, I mean, this I, is, I, this, I, have to, I, this is his, isn't this his last season? I guess, I guess I he would still have a COVID more. season, right? Yeah. But so I think that's probably the logistics of that are too crazy. Then I was kind of wondering, like, is there, is there anybody at the, will we see somebody at like the FCS level come up and, and take over? Um, that's but that nobody nobody's putting up the numbers that Zap was. But I yeah. wonder if there's not like a new if there's not going to develop a new market for like, hey man, you've developed this guy for like three years. He's gotten reps. Let's bring him up from the farm team. Let's let him start at Florida for two years or whatever. Well, you but know? here's here's the situation with Western Kentucky. Remember they brought up the OC and like all of his receivers. He, yeah, he already yeah. had. You'd have to do that same thing over again. Gary Lewis jumped in on YouTube said, uh, twenty twenty or twenty one ASU OC Hill failed Daniels for one and a half season. Um, and Jim John said Spencer Rattler gives me Tate Martell vibes. Now he ain't Tate Martell. Come on now, come on. <laughs> Tate um, Martell's a different breed. Like Spencer Rattler is not do you, that. <laughs> do you know who's leading? Okay, because I went down a rabbit trail here to be like, hey, who's leading the FCS in passing yards? Maybe that's it. Do you know who's leading the FCS in passing yards? This is such a great name. I have no idea who's leading the FCS right now. <gasps> Cole Kelly. Cole Kelly. <laughs> Where does he play? At Southeastern Louisiana, Arkansas. Oh, he was at Arkansas two years ago. Phenomenal. The big dude. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah, I could totally see that. That's so fun. Oh, my Southeast gosh, that's Louisiana. awesome. Southeast Louisiana. Um, so, it, I have on here Wisconsin 35, Nebraska 28. Nebraska does this <laughs> every time out. Started with Florida and got to Cole Kelly. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it happens. It happens. Uh, 21, Auburn and Florida. WTF from Gary Lewis. Like, Well, Auburn just... Uh, one, Bo Nix got hurt. Anders Carlson got hurt. Like, what, what do you what do you expect at this point? Um, I do. That's actually the next game on the board. We're not going to talk about Wisconsin, Nebraska. Nebraska does this every time. They look like they could be uh, a really good football team, and they make mistakes and cost themselves. They had two turnovers against Wisconsin, and that was basically the name of the game. That that was it. Wisconsin was able yep. to score one more touchdown than them uh, because of that. So, uh, moving on from there, and we. How long do I have you today? If I got you for like another 30 minutes? Yeah, that's totally fine. I'm just hanging out on Sunday morning. I, I would do some work at some point, but I'm <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> Let's talk uh, South Carolina 21, Auburn 17. 
And uh, yeah, Brian Harson, this uh, this thing is quickly headed into the ditch. Uh, now they do have Alabama at home this weekend, and crazy, crazy, maniacal shit happens in Jordan Hare Stadium uh, that Thanksgiving weekend every other year for whatever reason. It's always something insane. But this year there is no Bo Nix magic. We would basically have to see T.J. Finley do something that he hasn't done um, ever, really. So, look, South Carolina did not get out of their game plan. They did exactly what they wanted to do the entire ball game. Auburn came out, was able to score quickly, and and then they did nothing for the rest of the game. They had two touchdowns on their first three drives. One of those was aided by, uh, I mean, it was a short field. Uh, really, both of them were short fields. Uh, the first drive was six plays, 49 yards. The second one was seven plays, 61 yards. After that, uh, I, this was exactly what you would think it would be, right? Three, it, like low scoring, a uh, lot of running the football, and Tank Bigsby, 22 carries, 164 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, you had 149 yards rushing on 41 attempts from South Carolina. Uh, none of those were touchdowns. Jason Brown threw three touchdown passes. He had the one interception that led to a touchdown the other way. But this is this is awesome. Like, I, I love seeing this from teams that are trying to establish a culture, and that's exactly what Shane Beamer is attempting to do. On the other side, I'm, I'm trying to talk really nice about South Carolina <laughs> while also getting to what is going on at Auburn. And obviously, your starting quarterback's out, your kicker's out. you got a couple other guys that are actually out. Um, I'm... I'm so curious about what is going on because I've heard all kinds of, you know, Harson doesn't like it in the SEC, and he obviously there were a bunch of rumors about he may be going to Washington. Well, that all kind of plays on the idea that he is actually vaccinated, which I don't want to get political on the show, but if he's not vaccinated at Auburn, he can lose his job at the beginning of December. So... There may be a lot more going on under the surface here than than anybody really knows, but I I can't figure this football team out. I don't know what Auburn is because uh, I've seen them play really really good multiple times and also seen them play really bad. Uh, next week, by the way, huge for our buddy Kyle on the Bet US show because he has got Auburn under seven wins, and <laughs> he certainly needs to cash that one. So uh, yeah, I'm. I'm curious, what what did you think about this one? Because I, I wasn't shocked by this. I, I had bet South Carolina, but this Auburn team does not look like the same team that we saw uh, just along the lines of scrimmage just a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't gone too deep into their injury issues, um, but, it, but it does seem, I mean, like Texas A&M just absolutely murdered, and then Mississippi State, they just gave, I mean – I don't know how you lose that game. You just, you just give up. And then this game, it, it, again, I don't, I don't know that it came down to whether that gentleman touched the ball or not, but I think that's a hilarious sec ending regardless. Yes. And that if you're Auburn, you should not be in the situation in a game that you're favored by more than a touchdown of needing um, a microscope to decide whether you lost possession on a punt or not. Um, I, I really think that um, one, if Auburn opens, dude, uh, I'm going to use my one curse word. Sorry. Shit is going to get wild. <laughs> wild. Yes. It's um, it's already a crazy coaching carousel season anyway. Uh, and we know it's going to get yeah. even more crazy. But, God, you want to talk about fun hypotheticals? If if Lincoln were to take the LSU job and then Josh Heupel 
takes the uh, the Oklahoma job because I'm, I'm sure that he would be one of the next ones up, right? Because of, of what he's done at Tennessee. Uh, if you have, yeah, but they fired him. I don't know. They like it. anyway. Go, go, go. Yeah, that's fine. That's an trail. Uh, but it, it say say they've got Heupel that that Oklahoma brings in after one season. So Tennessee loses a coach after one season. Auburn loses a coach after one season. Imagine all of this other crap going on, right? If you have Tennessee and Auburn both open in the same cycle again a year later, like without a bunch of NCAA stuff and whatever else, like this is awesome. <laughs> We feasibly could have in two weeks, Gary, we could have Miami, Virginia Tech, Florida, Auburn, uh, LSU, Washington, UCA, USC, Washington State, TCU. Am I missing one? Uh, you, you could go on and toss in Penn State in there if uh, Franklin leaves to one of those other jobs. Uh, you but can... then that solves one of the other problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, uh, we could have a lot of big big programs that are you know who might get paid uh i have no idea who might get paid at barry this point. barry odom might get paid this cycle tennessee or auburn could do way worse would, on this short they, notice in this market i think barry odom would need to go somewhere where the fan base will not be so openly negative because you know both of those will be <laughs> Right, like there are some yeah. fan bases. I mean, where I'm, I'm at the point I wouldn't take. I, I don't think I would take either of those jobs. Tennessee, God, yeah, the, just what I've seen from Tennessee fans this year with like the the slightest improvement in situation and them still to be complaining. Like, yeah, I, I don't know that I would take either of those. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be weird. I wonder if more people aren't gonna try and do like Colorado hired Carl Durrell. Like, yeah, which by the way, Colorado won. It's not one of my games that I wrote down, but Colorado beat Washington yesterday. Like. Yeah, I I really needed Washington to win that ball game so that so I could go in and cash, uh, cash my under there, but uh, but alas, here we are. Um, got a few questions in the chat here. Um, will uh, let's see, will Florida State uh be able to retain? No, no, no. Will Nevada Reno be able to retain Jay Norvell? I thought he was talking about Mike Norvell. Uh, Ball Python Love said, I hope so. He signed until twenty twenty four. Uh, the way that things are going, I could certainly see Jay Norvell getting a job. Um. But I mean, obviously, it all it all depends. It all depends. The last two weeks have not helped him at all. Uh, if he leaves, bring back Chris Alt. Yeah, I could <laughs> I could totally see that. Uh, Gary Lewis, a great point about Harson and inoculation. It's why I tune in. I learn from you guys every week. Uh, Chris Alt and Dennis Erickson, two of the greatest offensive minds in college football during their era. Alt's pistol formation is still used in the NFL and college football right now. It is. It absolutely, that, that pistol formation, Alabama loves running stuff out of that pistol. Uh, they have not done so much under Bill O'Brien, but, yeah, they, they have run a pistol a lot. Um, let's see. Great out west uh, college football head coaching candidate, Kalen DeBoer of Fresno. Yes, DeBoer for sure. Um, but you got to be – Fresno was like the perfect fit for him as far as being a head coach because there is a ton of support. Like, they, they really give him basically everything that he, that he needs. Uh, Baylor staff is going to get picked at, said Larry. And uh, Gary Lewis said, I'm not a huge Jay Norvell fan. Uh, or I was not a huge Jay Norvell fan. Um, I will tell you this. I, I like Jay Norvell. Like, I, I don't think that he's a guy that you expect to win, like, championships from. But I think he's a guy that can, like, build a foundation for a program. It's, it's very much a Mike Leach kind of thing with what he runs. Like, you're always going to run up against somebody that knows how to stop it. But for the most part, if yeah. you're wanting to get from the bottom up to about the middle tier, he's like a really, really good coach. It's, it's very much Chris Creighton at, uh, at Eastern Michigan for me. Like, he's somebody that's going to win in, in some 
Some years he'll do... Uh, some years he will be eight and four. Some years nine and three. But for the most part, you're hovering around bowl game territory, and for some programs, that's really good. So yeah, that's the way I feel about that. Um, I think there's a couple of interesting guys out west, like Kurt Maddox, the San Diego State head coach, has been around and and doesn't necessarily have the Brady Hoke stink on him. Um, and his defense has been great for a while and and really innovative. I know a bunch of guys like like his clinic videos and stuff. Yeah. Um, I wonder how long until the Kendall, speaking of stink, I wonder how long until somebody can hire Kendall Bryles as their head coach. That's, um, I would think soon. Like, I, yeah, I think, I think we're getting there. Yeah. Um, and then the other one that is interesting is uh, at Kent State, Sean Lewis and Andrew Souter. That offensive coordinator was a Bryles guy at Baylor. I think that people would like him um, Kent, for sure. So Kent interesting State, to see if, if somebody Texas adjacent hires them. If uh, if Kent State wins the MAC this year, I would almost guarantee he's gone this season. Yeah. Because right now it looks like it's Kent State and Northern Illinois, and Kent State already beat them once. So yep. you know, we I could I could certainly see that. Uh let's let's move on as far as the uh games are concerned so that I can fit a few more yeah. in here. Uh Clemson forty eight, Wake Forest twenty seven. Post game win expectancy for Clemson was a hundred percent. This was not even close. Uh Clemson's offense finally woke up. Seven point three yards per play. They had five hundred and forty three total yards on the day, three thirty three rushing. They held Wake Forest to only thirty six yards rushing. Uh this was uh a beating. Just an absolute beating. DJ, again, didn't look great. 11 out of 19, but 208 yards. He was able to basically just throw the ball up and let his receivers go get it. Like, at Wake Forest defense is uh, really bad. Re- like, worse than I yeah. than I thought they were, which was shocking because UConn, it, they only gave up a 30% success rate against Clemson last week. And this week, I mean, it was just a whole different ball game. Uh, looking at the success rate here for Clemson, uh, pulling it up. I mean, it 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 had to be just unbelievable. Success rate on the day was fifty six percent. They had a a fifty percent or better success rate in all four quarters on offense. That's that's Jeez. just unbelievable. <laughs> and of course, I bet on Wake Forest. Like I. <laughs> Every time I do this, I wanted to like, believe in the Wake Forest uh, offense, but they've solved the offense. And honestly, that Clemson rushing—that kind of came out of nowhere. Um, the the other thing to look at—I mean, coming into this game, I had I had Clemson very very bad on third and fourth downs, um, and the way that they were able to rush, I think it just just it entirely changed the game. They went. Uh, this is loading, and I'm sorry that I'm vamping. Oh no, you're good. Um, I had them 97th and third and fourth downs coming into this game. And they went seven of 11, eight, eight of 11, if you count a fourth, fourth down there. So Clemson, Wake Forest all season has been bad on, on third and fourth downs, but Clemson's offense has not been able to move the ball and, and convert. And they were able to do that with impunity, 72% yesterday. And so, I mean, uh, Dave Clawson said at the half, he said, that, you know, they have the athletes. If we can't keep the ball and extend drives, and if we can't stop them on third down and get our athletes on the field, we're, we're, we're in a bad way. Oh, and, yeah. and I mean, that's a hundred percent what happened is Clemson just was able to make those third down plays that they haven't. And that is like multiplicative, right? You make one, you get a chance in the second, the defense is a little more tired, then you get a chance in third. And, and they just wore down a team that they're obviously more talented than, um, yeah, wait, wait for us. Very, very fun. But this does, you know, you talk about a lot about like in mismatch games where a team is bad, 
uh, but they have good recruiting and they play another bad team that like special teams is going to be an equalizer because you know, the the good team is playing four and five stars on special team. The bad team is playing walk-ons. This is a little bit what kind of felt like what happened with Wake Forest's defense is like they've got a little offensive success, but on aggregate, the talent and balance was so overwhelming that if Clemson had just a spark on third down, they were kind of able to do what they wanted. Oh, 100%. Uh, Gary Lewis jumped in said Clemson D-line won the game against Wake. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes, very much. Uh, Clemson had seven sacks, 10 tackles for loss in this game um, compared to Wake, who had zero. Um, I mean, just, just unbelievable. They, they had four tackles for loss. But zero sacks. Uh, as far as turnovers go, uh, this will lose you the game every time. Both teams had three turnovers, but Clemson was able to score 14 points off the wins that they generated. So that, uh, that'll stop you. That'll stop you. Uh, yeah. Moving on to the AAC. And who, buddy? Uh, Cincinnati. 48-14 to 14 over SMU. It was 100% postgame win expectancy for the Bearcats. Uh, this is... What I told you on the Bet US show that I was worried about because I felt like yep. the matchup uh, played directly into Cincinnati's hands. Cincinnati gave up 66 passing yards in this game. Tanner Mordecai was 15 out of 26 for 66 yards with one touchdown. Um, they ran the ball, SMU did, 31 times for 133 yards. And and they weren't great at running the football. Like They, they still had more success running than they did passing. But this was a woodshed beating. Uh, just you, yeah. you knew at some point, it's kind of like with Clemson, right? You knew that Cincinnati was going to wake up, and you're just hoping that it's not this game, right, if you had the, uh, the other side. Um, I mean, four of the first five drives for Cincinnati were touchdowns. And, and one of those was, of course, a fumble uh, from SMU that led to a, uh, you know, led to another touchdown. It wasn't a short field, but... Well, the first the first two were short fields. The first because I turned it off yeah. after the, the SMU fumble because I was like, oh, there goes my bet. Whatever. So SMU punted. Cincinnati special teams returned it for twenty two yards to Cincy forty seven. Cincinnati one play forty seven yard touchdown. Yeah. Then SMU punts from their own thirteen and it's blocked. SMU first and ten or Cincinnati first and ten at the SMU twenty five. Um, and then that fumble, SMU was moving the ball. That's the only time all game SMU really moved the ball. And Trey Seegers just. Got got the ball knocked out, uh, just yeah. straight up lost it. And they were first and 10 at the Cincinnati 24. They were knocking on the door. And then Sensi drives 78 yards for the touchdown there. So that, that even that point off turnovers wasn't like they necessarily, um, you know, ben- they, they benefited from special teams uh, more than they benefited from that. And then Sensi missed two field goals in yes, the half. Like in the middle of it. This could have been so much worse. It's in the middle of it. And I mean, SMU did not score until the <laughs> yeah. fourth quarter. Did not score. Uh, they missed a field goal of their own after a 10-play drive. Uh, since he, you know, uh, turnover on downs late in the ball game. I mean, this, yeah, uh, the whole thing was was bananas. So, at this point, I do have written down here, um, with all the chaos that has happened with Oregon and, of course, Michigan State getting beat and whatnot, uh, I think at this point, because you've got Michigan and Ohio State playing this week, I think Cincinnati is a favorite to get into the playoff at this point. Because I, I don't know who else, like, I this all comes down to Notre Dame and Cincinnati, right? Like, I, I, Oklahoma State might be able to find their way in there. Oklahoma, maybe. But we see what the committee thinks about Oklahoma at this point. I, it looks like it's going to be Cincinnati in there if they can win out. Now, obviously, they've got Houston uh, in the AAC title game, which is going to be a hell of a ball game. Um, I'm just... The fact that everybody was so worked up for so long about this, 
And now here they are, like Cincy doing what Cincy mm-hmm. is supposed to do. Uh, this looks like. <laughs> yeah, well, they, so I'm looking at this because basically the, the way that Cincy gets left out is Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship. Um, yeah, but even then, you would still need because Ohio State or Michigan is going to be out, right? So uh, even then, right? So you have you have SEC championship winner, then you have Ohio State. Those are locked, right? More right. Ohio State, Michigan winner, whatever. Yes. Those are locked, right? Yeah, And then you have, the, I'm looking at the playoff rankings for the first time this season, Gary. I just want to let you know, this is a big deal. I, I normally don't look at them until the last week because they don't matter and we don't need a playoff. But I think the problem here for Cincinnati is, I mean, they, they need to, they, they, they have an off week or are they playing Houston? Like, are they playing Houston right now? No, they're playing, they're playing Houston in the AAC title. East Carolina. Game. Okay. Yeah. So they Which need East Carolina. Game. They need Houston, Houston to win big and they need to win big. I don't think Notre Dame can beat Stanford bad enough to jump. I don't think so either, because Cincinnati is going to have another uh, data point. Like, but Cincinnati then is, Oklahoma Cincinnati. State. I think best case scenario for Oklahoma State is they they beat Oklahoma convincingly, which puts Baylor into the Big Twelve championship yes. game, and then they beat a Baylor that looks a lot better than when they played. Yeah. I think that Oklahoma State at that point could jump. Um. Uh, could jump Cincy, especially if Cincy isn't convincing and find their way in. But the deal is here. I mean, Cincy very likely to go to the playoff, especially if if Alabama is who we think they are right now. I think that they won't be able to do anything against Georgia. Um, that that may not hold true. But the, the problem, Gary, is not that Cincy can't get into the playoff. It's that they can't play themselves in. They have to rely on all this other crap, even if they do everything exactly right. That's the problem. The problem is that Cincy's national championship is not in their hands where it is yeah. for, you know, 60, honestly, probably 30 other teams. It is for, for a hundred other FBS teams. They literally cannot play themselves in the national championship conversation. They have to have other stuff happen. It just so happens that this year, other stuff is happening for them. So this isn't like a vindication of the playoff committee. Also with all the, again, <laughs> playoff committee, what do they want? Eyeballs with all the yes. talk about Cincinnati. They're just making a business decision. They don't give, they don't care. They don't care at all about, what, what a college football championship should be. They don't care at all about G5 versus P5. They care about eyeballs. And this year, it might be the most profitable decision to put Cincinnati to in, put whereas Cincinnati in the past, in. it has not been. And so it's still about eyeballs, and teams still can't play their way to a championship, which is a flaw. Well, d- tell me this. Who actually brings more eyeballs right now? Would it be Cincinnati, or would it be Oklahoma State? I think it might be Cincinnati. Um, uh, yes, not not just in terms of comparing fan bases, but like narratives and everything. Absolutely, yeah, narratives. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just talking like overall narratives for because I, obviously the way that Alabama is able to get like huge ratings this season is because they play a ton of close games, right? That's the way that those ratings actually yes. work. People realize, oh, there's a shot they could get beat. I need to tune in and watch this. Yeah, um, it's the the same thing with Ohio State because this this Ohio State Michigan State game is not going to have a, a large rating. Like it's it's just not like it's. It, it, it'll be big because it's ABC at noon. But otherwise, you know, we all know how these things work. Uh, Cincinnati, I mean, last year, they were undefeated playing in the Peach Bowl against Georgia, and that game drew, like, almost 10 million viewers. I mean, it's it's a pretty sizable audience. And now, it was on New Year's Day yeah. and all that standalone window, all that good stuff. Uh, Gary Lewis jumped in, Cincinnati over Oklahoma State for TV ratings. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, just the way that it goes, because people – there are still a lot of like casual fans that don't realize what Oklahoma State is doing. So if it becomes Oklahoma State, then 
Yeah. Now, I guess the thing that could be interesting here is if Oklahoma were to beat Oklahoma State in Bedlam next week, and and then they had to beat Oklahoma State again, then does the committee say, ah, maybe we had them pegged wrong? Like, well, because that that would be yeah, the brand I, matchup you don't want if you're Cincinnati. Because I, I think that I think that Wake Forest is falling a lot. Michigan State is falling a lot, which means Baylor and Oklahoma are both plausibly top ten games for Oklahoma State over the next two weeks. But then also Oklahoma will have a chance at two top ten wins if they go and blow the doors off Oklahoma State like they have done in the past twice in a row. Yeah, it'll be tough to keep them out because you know people will watch Oklahoma, especially if there's a chance that they get beat. So. Uh, Cincinnati of, just needs to root for Auburn next week. That's what they need to do. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, Takes care of all of it. Oklahoma 28, Iowa State 21 on this, by the way. Uh, Oklahoma win percentage, uh, postgame win, uh, win expectancy, excuse me, was uh, was 96% on this. And I, like 96 passing yards for Oklahoma, 209 rushing yards. Uh, it's completely flip-flopped the other way. Brees Hall held a 58 yards rushing and a touchdown. This was uh, a very interesting game. I had this on uh, my right side TV over here uh, yesterday and could not take my eyes off of it for a large portion of it because obviously Michigan State, Ohio State was nothing and, and whatnot. But this game, I I could not figure out what Iowa State was trying to do. They had so many opportunities to take control of this ball game. it felt like. Like, it felt like they had momentum the entire game. And they were never able to really get over the hump for whatever reason. Um, Oklahoma scored a touchdown in every quarter. And and it took until the fourth quarter for Iowa State to score two touchdowns and really get it rolling. And it looked like almost they just ran out of time. Uh, but Iowa State fumbled the ball six times. They only lost one of them. Like, I... What are we doing? Hold on to the ball. Like, what? <laughs> So, so that's something that's really interesting about this game. Uh, end of half, Brock Purdy uh, fumbles, and Jalen Redmond returns it for a touchdown. If this game is tied, again, not, you, not, it's path-dependent, things change, whatever. But if this game is tied 21-21, Iowa State then at first and 10 at the Oklahoma 21 doesn't have to pass the ball, doesn't have to risk anything, can just play for the field goal and win. This game was so uncomfortably close um, for, for a couple of reasons. One, Oklahoma's defensive front just annihilated Iowa State's offensive line. Iowa State's offensive line is having a very bad morning this morning because they just got absolutely blown up the entire game. Um, you know, you count on the Brock Purdy mistake that was kind of the equalizer. Um, Caleb Williams has to learn to throw throw the backside fit, uh, slant. Every time, every time I have a friend, shout out to Keegan Renault. He does some awesome uh, Oklahoma stuff and he'll just send me a screenshot. Every bad play that Caleb Williams has, there is an open receiver on the other side of the field that he should have moved to, but he's trying to be a hero. Same thing with Rattler, um, just trying to be a hero and cannot throw the check down. If OU lowered their average depth of target by like 10 yards by just taking the check downs, they would beat everyone 52 to 10. Like, so, so here's the issue with that. people right? up. Like the the problem there is that Spencer Rattler was only taking the checkdowns, and now Caleb Williams is only throwing uh, to these other guys, we'll right? Do it. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it is a very odd conundrum that that they've got. Caleb Williams eight out of 18, 87 yards, one touchdown, one interception. This was it's so weird. Like Kennedy Brooks has been awesome for them this year. Seventeen carries, one hundred fifteen yards in this game. The fact that he was able to do that against the Iowa State's defense uh, is 
pretty impressive. Um, yeah, Iowa State held absolutely. the ball, by the way, for nearly 40 minutes of this game. <laughs> 38-20 for them, 21-40 for Oklahoma. And, and yet, because of the mistake, because of everything else, it felt like uh, Oklahoma just had this game from the get-go. It, it really, yep. the duration, it just felt like it was inevitable that uh, Oklahoma was going to win this game. Just bananas. Yeah, in, a, in a really boring and annoying fashion. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I do have written down here, um, da, 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 Baylor 20, Kansas State 10. Uh, Baylor 100% postgame win expectancy. Was there anything out of this one that, I mean, it, it That 100% boring. postgame win expectancy is super weird to me because basically what happened is Baylor, Kansas State missed field goal, and then Baylor got a muffed punt at yep. the beginning of the game and they scored a short field touchdown. Otherwise, this was like a slugfest. Yeah. Um, and so this this that's interesting that post-game win expectancy, and again, everybody has their own flavor or whatever. But to me, this feels way more like a toss-up because it was effectively decided by, I mean, equal number of scoring opportunities, equal number of um defense, and then a punt return, a muffed punt return was the deciding factor there. And that seems super random. So again, Baylor all season been well coached and and you know, bounces go uh, their way a ton and, and uh, lucky and good are highly correlated in college football. So um, good on them for taking advantage. Um, the only other thought I have is Gary Bohannon went down with a non-contact injury with a hamstring. I hope yeah. he's okay. That looked real uncomfortable. Uh, the kid um, that brought just because again, I, yeah. what, what, uh, Blake, uh, Blake Shapin. I, I, yeah. I hope that's how you say it. Uh, 16 out of 21, 137 yards. Like they were, they were still successful with him in the ball game. Jeff Grimes knows how to maximize quarterback six strengths, man. Like just he just knows how to set a quarterback up for success. It's it's been very impressive. Yeah, it, this was uh, this was interesting, very interesting. Deuce Vaughn, by the way, eleven carries, one hundred twenty-eight yards, one touchdown, like averaged eleven point six clip. But all of that, Gary, if you take out that one, I think he had one seventy-five yard touchdown, maybe uh, sixty-five yard, yeah, sixty-five. And so you go beside that, then man, his his day looked real bad. Um, that Baylor was very frustrating to him outside of that one long run. And so, I mean, you, you take that one long run, but he had 11 carries and you take out the long run, he still had, I mean, that's still over, what, almost seven yards a carry? Like, did he have another, a couple of long runs? Maybe maybe there was another long run. I, I just remember, maybe it's just the first half, but I, I, I just was thinking, I mean, he, he had, what, 100, 100 total yards? Uh, he had 128 on 11 carries. 128. And so 60 and then so 60 on 10, I guess, outside of that is not, is not awful. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they just couldn't get him going really except yeah. for a couple concentrated plays. Well, I mean, yeah. they, they only ran him 11 times. They, they ran the ball 21 times in, in, in what really was kind of a slugfest. Uh, Baylor ran 48 times for 174. Uh, yeah. I could not understand like they, they were throwing, they threw the ball a lot. And, and I understand why they were doing that because if you look up the uh, the advanced stats and whatnot, the weakness of this Baylor defense really was the secondary, right? They were Teams have been able to have success throwing the football on them. Yeah. But uh, it did not look like Skylar Thompson was able to have success. I mean, he was 15 out of 29 for 158 yards. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I thought Kansas State, uh, I actually picked them in like our winning cures everything pick them on, uh, on Friday's show. Because I thought Baylor hangover, Kansas State's been playing really, really well. Skylar Thompson's been throwing the ball well. That looks like a mismatch against that secondary. And it did not play out to fruition at all. At all. Um, Next game on the board right quick, and we'll uh, we'll try and hurry through these last ones. Uh, Florida State 26, Boston College 23. And they almost gave it up there at the end, didn't they? I mean, just... (laughs) 
They tried. <laughs> Holy cow. They tried. They needed a fourth down stop. Uh, they got the pick on the fourth down. Florida State, 2022 sleeper team, man. They are four, five and six now. They lost to Jacksonville State. That hurts because, man, they would be in a bowl game if they had just beaten the FCS team. But they get a chance against a, a spiraling Florida team to get a bowl here. I think they've been better than their record. The advanced stats love them. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can do next year. Early, early offshore lines, by the way, which I, I have a feeling that this will shift because uh, I get I just got a text from Jonathan Hood from ESPN Chicago. Um, he said, uh, "Why is Florida favored by ten over Florida State?" <laughs> and I have no is idea. Is that is that a do they do that neutral side or they do that home and home? No, no, that's home and home. That's home and home. Okay. So, it, it, which I don't think it matters this year. Like I, I think Florida State is a team that wants to be there. Uh, the thing that surprised me in this game, uh, Phil Djokovic, 10 out of 24 passing, one touchdown, one interception. That's a, that's a QB rating under 100. Um, Jordan Travis was 20 out of 34, 251 yards and three touchdowns. He ran the ball 13 times for 26 yards. Travis has big time improved this season. Like th- this team yeah. looks like they are fighting for Mike Norvell which is a, a nice change of pace for the Seminoles. <laughs> and it's just completely sure. different from well, what we and, and it's the offensive line, which is the problem with Taggart before. We don't have to do a full deep dive here. Yeah. But it's so hard to fix an offensive line pipeline. And last year, Jordan Travis was the had the most scramble percent on dropbacks. Like the most percent of his dropbacks were scrambles out of anybody in the FBS. He was And he was creating some value with his legs, but he just didn't have time to even get anything going in the passing game. And, and this year, the offensive line has just improved a little bit because, again, that's how you got to build up the program. And so, I mean, shout out for them for taking a step forward. And, and Travis has improved because the offensive line has improved. Uh, another interesting number out of this, by the way, again, I like to look at hidden yardage. Uh, this, this game, look, Boston College scored 13 points in the fourth quarter. Florida State did not score in the fourth quarter. This should have been uh, a bigger win for Florida State. Uh, but 13 penalties for 120 yards for the Seminoles. I'll get you. It'll get you every time. Get you every time. Also, uh, Florida State, only 2 out of 10 on third down and 0 for 2 on fourth down. So, you know, when when, uh, when Boston College was 8 out of 16 on third down, um, you know, that's uh, that's the way that goes. That is the way that goes. Sure. Uh, Air Force on Friday night. I got I to gotta talk about this one because holy crap. Um, Air Force 41, Nevada 39 in triple overtime. Uh, post-game win expectancy from college football data was Air Force 99%. Can you explain to me how in the world we get to a 99% post-game win expectancy on a game that ended up coming down to two-point conversions? <laughs> yeah, I don't um, I don't know what goes into that formulation, but Nevada was getting their butt kicked early on and, and finally was able to do some of the stuff we thought they, would able, they were able to do. But Carson mean, Strong, by the Air way, Force... let me interrupt you. Carson Strong did not okay. look right early like he no, looked dude he like like not like something was off but like his body was not working he took that big hit they zoomed yes. in on his on his bleeding and everything but i mean he he had that what really got me is like i think in the second quarter he had maybe a 12 or 15 yard scramble gary that physically hurt me to watch yes i, I was just like dude i don't even know if he should be out there right now um and then he threw an interception that was you know tipped in a bad read or whatever and he kind of made like he was going to make the tackle and he was hopping staying off of that one leg. It looked yeah. like he was just, it looked like he wasn't right. So maybe they got him the good stuff at halftime because I mean, they went really well. I think also the halftime breather not only helped Navy or Nevada's uh, defense adjust because they were getting killed on the pitch. They weren't going to kill inside. They were going to kill because they were stacking inside and air force was just pitching it. 
And, uh, and the outside was just ruining those guys. But I, I think they got a breather and an adjustment. And so that kind of stopped Air Force's um, offense, only seven uh, points um, in the second half. Uh, but, but really, I mean, if Nevada had just not gotten shell-shocked so early, I think that they could have won this game by a couple scores. Um, for Nevada to come back and score 21, 21 to seven in the, in the second quarter or second half, and then lose in third overtime. I wish they would just, I wish they had just let us have the blowout. Like I wish air force had yeah. just won by 20 <laughs> points. That's yeah. Kyle had a, uh, had Nevada minus one and a half. And, uh, and that's brutal to lose that on a, on a two point conversion. Uh, do you have the, the numbers for, uh, air force on this game by chance? Are, are they, are they done yeah, already? So. Uh, I'm curious the echo rate for air force in this ball game. they, they had a touchdown drive that was 19 plays, 75 yards. They had a another touchdown drive that was six plays, 66 yards. Uh, they had a, uh, let's see, field goal drive that was like seven plays, 28. What I, it, there was, I mean, one that was on downs. Like they they turned the ball over on downs. They went 12 plays, 58 yards, and took like seven minutes. Like the drives were insane to watch from them because they are so efficient on offense. I was I was curious about the echo rate. Yeah, so I have 11, they had 11 drives and six of those were quality possessions. So 54%, I guess, yeah, okay. which is is pretty solid and above their season average. And then you look at it, I mean, they went for it at fourth and one at the Nevada 17 and they didn't get it. They kicked a field goal after having, uh, what was that, first and 10 at the Nevada 32. And so, I mean, they were, they were really pushing them around, especially in the first half there. Um, and then that fumble was first and 10 at the Nevada 28 they had, I think. Uh, no, that's no, that's the next drive. This play by play is a mess. So that was first and 10 in Nevada territory at the, at the 43, that one wasn't technically a quality possession, but it was close. And so, I mean, they, they really put the ball. Um, I mean, they did a really, really good job, especially in that first half. Yeah. Um, moving on Louisiana, trying to get through these last two Louisiana 42 Liberty 14 and who Billy Napier, like putting on a show against Hugh freeze. What, a what did you see out of this one? Because I I had it on, and once it got to be, you know, uh, 21 to 14, and then it was 28 to 14, and then it was 35 to 14, and I just, I stopped. Like, this this looked like exactly what I expected out of a Louisiana team because I, I've told you multiple times this year, when they feel threatened, when they feel like people think that the other team is a better team, that's when they actually show up. This was an incredibly efficient showing from Napier's bunch, which also got me the over nine and a half on the season for, uh, for Louisiana. So, (laughs) so I was happy about this one, but, uh, but did you see anything that stood out on, on this, uh, the post game win expectancy over at uh, CFB data, by the way, 85% for Louisiana in a 28 point win. So, uh, air force 99% with a two point win and Louisiana 85% with a four touchdown win. You got to love numbers, brother. What, uh, what'd you see out of this? Uh, So one thing, I mean, Total, total yards, uh, Liberty and Louisiana were even there. Um, and I, I, I mean, Levi Lewis only 166 yards, but he had three touchdowns and then air force or excuse me, Louisiana, you know, uh, not, not a very efficient rushing attack at all. They only, they only had 132 yards, not, not sack adjusted. I think the issue for me here is that, um, I mean, there's, there's one stat that Hugh, lost them the ball game, right? Like Hugh freeze. Well, Hugh, yeah. So Malik Willis through two interceptions. Hugh Freeze has an offensive line problem, man. I think we saw it in the Syracuse game that they should have won. Um, Malik Willis was sacked seven times, uh, and 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 they, you know, three, I guess three three interceptions um, overall. But uh, but 
two of them from from Willis. So I mean that 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 really is what happened is the offensive line lost to Louisiana's really good defensive line and and Willis couldn't do anything. Uh red zone 5 out of 7 for Louisiana. Uh 0 for 1 for Liberty. Also six turnovers in the ball game for Louisiana. I mean I mean for uh, Liberty, excuse me. That is uh yeah, that that'll get you Damn. beat, especially when the other team does not turn it over at all. Uh just absurd. Just absurd. Yeah, well and and if you look at Liberty, I mean the 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 Louisiana Monroe game was another one where I mean I had them winning by 20 and they lost by three. Yeah. They had three, they had first and 10 at the 32, first and goal at the two, first and 10 at the 16, and got zero points out of all three of those. They're terrible at finishing. And some of that tells me they don't have the athletes outside and they don't have the athletes up front. Uh, so they're, they're struggling a little bit this year. It's interesting to see what Hugh will do. Now you, uh, you've got that right. I, I, wonder, I wonder if he is interested at all in taking some of these other jobs because I've heard his name mentioned for Miami and for Virginia Tech. I don't think he comes back to the SEC because I think the SEC would just be, they'd watch him like a hawk, like constantly. So you can't even get your job done, really, if, if you're being watched like that. But in the ACC, I could see him being successful at some of those places. But also, why would you leave Liberty? You're getting paid $3 million a year to be at a private school in Virginia where nobody can uh, FOIA your, uh, your phone records or anything like that. Like, you're just out in the woods doing what you want to do in Lynchburg. Like, why leave? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that would be smart for him. Uh, but you never know what some of these guys' ambition, how some of their ambition manifests. So yeah. I'll say that. I, I think he wants to be able to get back on the stage and, and prove people wrong over and over and over again. That's yeah. that's just his thing. And he's always been like that, even when he was uh, coaching at Briarcrest High School. So, you know, that's the way it goes. Uh, last to one. the Saints, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The last one on the board here, and then I will let you go, and I'll start cutting up videos and all that good stuff. Houston 31, Memphis 13. Um, this, uh, so so Memphis, I said before the season, I don't think they've got the playmakers. I don't think they got the guys in the trenches, and this was just another example of that. Houston's defense is pretty good. Held Memphis to only 4.4 yards per play, um, only 106 yards rushing in this game. Both teams had two turnovers, but overall, I mean, this was just a beating. Uh, Seth Hennigan, 21 out of 45 passing, 208 yards, one touchdown, two picks. I I, I don't know what to make of Memphis. Uh, I will say this. Chris on the show has mentioned multiple times that he, and these are his words, not mine, that he would push Ryan Silverfield out of a window if he could get Justin Fuente to come back to Memphis. I don't know what to make of that, um, but I do know that uh, I, I think Houston's really good, and I think Memphis is kind of falling off a bit without the Mike Norvell genius uh, that is here. And I don't know that Fuente would have continued the same trajectory that he was at Memphis before he took the Virginia Tech job. So I I don't know what to make of Memphis at this point in the season. Obviously, they have one more game to go against Tulane, and they need that one to get bowl eligible. But Houston looks really good, man. Like it, this, they they've only beaten two winning teams. We did have somebody jump into the chat earlier that said uh, they've only beaten like ECU and SMU. Uh, oh, Brown Yeti jumped in. Um, yeah, but Houston has played like two teams over five hundred, ECU and SMU, and I think that's it. Uh, they lost to Texas Tech early. I, can Houston give Cincinnati a game? I think they can. They're definitely playing as well right now as as anybody. Um, and I mean, again, it's not their like. I don't. I mean, the, the thing about only beating two teams that are over 500 or whatever, I mean, 
Rice, Grambling, Navy, Tulsa, Tulane, ECU, SMU, USF, Temple, Memphis. Like, that's not their fault that every team on their schedule is bad. There's nothing they can do about that. Um, I will say that Texas Tech loss, man, so super weird. The thing for Memphis is we just saw, like, Seth Hennigan's a freshman. That's a big deal. Um, And I will say to Chris on the record, thanks for telling me about it, because now if he pushes Ryan Searfield out of a window, I'm an accessory and I have to testify against him. (laughs) Drag me into this whole thing. Just trying to watch football, Chris. Um, but yeah, so I mean, Clayton Toon is, is the, the most boring quarterback. Uh, he just makes it happen. But I mean, the, the, you know, Houston is, is sneakily stacked with Dell and Singleton at, at receiving there. I really think that they can match up well. Um, and I think the difference between them and SMU, because SMU's offense, for instance, is better than Houston's offense. The difference is SMU's defense is a mess and Houston's defense is sneaky, real good. Uh, has just been absolutely frustrating to people. And so I, I think that this, I mean, again, Cincinnati, I said it a couple of weeks ago, Cincinnati has a real tough stretch here with, you know, SMU theoretically, ECU has been sneakily decent. And then Houston all back to back is going to be pretty rough, but, but I, I don't know that Houston can beat them. I just think that Houston is, um, going to give them as much of a test as they've seen all season uh they i mean they look great and it looks like holgerson knows what he's doing and kind of has it running here that's that that is they're 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 trending hot at a really really nice time if they go and you know take care of business next week against uconn of course and then they they put up a good fight against cincinnati if not pulling upset um they could sneak into this new year six but i think utsa is ahead of them but if they beat cincinnati um other than that though i think they yeah, I think I think they get an SEC team in the uh, in a bowl game though for sure if they uh, and maybe beat them. So yeah, no, they are. I will tell you this: the matchup from the offense definitely plays into what Cincinnati has had trouble with. Uh, they can run the football yeah. like Houston can actually run the football, and you know Clayton Toon is not a bad quarterback. In this game, he had two picks, he had one touchdown, twenty out of thirty-four, two hundred sixty-four yards. Like he wasn't great. But he can throw it well enough to offset uh, the rushing attack. If you, there are ways to get Cincinnati to bite on things, and I think that they can take advantage of it. The question will be, can they slow down Cincinnati's offense? I'm a, uh, I'm real curious about it. I don't think Holgerson goes anywhere after the season. Uh, I think he, he will be at Houston for a long, long while. But I'm, I'm very curious about uh, Doug Belk, the uh, defensive coordinator, and what he's done with Houston's defense this year. Uh, he'll he'll be getting some calls. I would almost guarantee. Yeah. He's saving tree, all that kind of stuff. Like this will uh, this will be interesting to see what happens after the season is over. Uh, let's see. Sure. I got other ones to to list. Uh, East Carolina over Navy last second field goal. Blah, favored by four. Should have should have covered. Uh, Colorado twenty eight to seventeen. Freaking covered. Yeah. <laughs> Colorado twenty seventeen over Washington. Hey TCU, your boys thirty one twenty eight over Kansas. Lance Leipold doing some things man like i'm i love what he's doing there like i, I think texas yeah. would be in such a better position if they had hired him like <laughs> uh, the, the thing for them at kansas is i think that he understood that he needs to um he, they need to become not a meme that was the first step right like yes. so bobby bowden is like you know crushing losses getting crushed crushing losses winning winning big or whatever kansas had one more step before there's like if we beat you it's not a meme they turn the corner this year. Yes. The, um, and, and that is huge. They, they you know, look, they attracted, you know, their highest ever recruit from Lawrence. Like they, they are able to kind of get in that Kansas city area. He's got a clear vision. They can run the ball. I'm, I'm optimistic, man. And the new big 12, I think Kansas doesn't have to be a bottom feeder at, no. at all. No, they do not. No, they do not. 
Uh, Oregon State 24, Arizona State 10. Uh, Kyle got his uh, his under 59 on that. Arizona State is... Look, Corvallis is weird anyway, but Arizona State is just mind-blowingly confusing. I don't know what to make of this team at all. And I get it because they've had... They got, what, like seven assistant coaches uh, throughout the season that have been like put on paid administrative leave and... Who knows what you're going to get from this team week in and week out? Because it, again, these are 18 to 22 year old kids. Uh, you know, it, it. Who knows what the emotions are week in and week out? But man, um, I tell you this: Jonathan Smith going to be getting a lot of calls. Like I, I would have to imagine. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, that offense, man, it's just been great. And and if he can get the right DC in a place, they could do really, really well. Um, yeah, I wrote a really, really funny. Um, I wrote a really, really funny article now in retrospect after the Arizona State Stanford game, where Arizona State went up like twenty-one nothing and then just cruised. And I was like, I think maybe the advanced stats are underrating Arizona State. And then Arizona State proceeded to just, you know, make fun of me, target me specifically with the rest of their season. So I could believe it. Uh, and then uh, Pitt forty-eight, Virginia thirty-eight. Brennan Armstrong did play, uh, had massive numbers in the game. I don't even have him pulled up, and I'm I am not worried about it. But we, this is what we expected from. Kenny Pickett and Brendan Armstrong, a lot of points, not a lot of defense. Uh, it was fun. That was a fun ball game. Yeah, <laughs> that UVA defense, man. That UVA defense stinks. It's as it good as their so offense bad. is. It is down in a bad way that it hasn't been in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yes, it is very bad. It's it's rough to see this from a Bronco Men and Hall team, right? You would not expect this because yeah. they're supposed to be tough and whatnot. But either way, all right. Uh, is there anything else that you feel like hitting on? Or are we good to uh, to wrap this thing up? No, man, I'm glad we talked about UTSA UAB. That was going to be my one where it was oh, like, yeah. we just, we, you have to enjoy these college football games. But no, I, I enjoyed uh, chatting about the games this morning. Thanks for having That's, me on. Hey, I appreciate you doing it. Uh, we went at almost an hour 45. So Sweet. <laughs> it's, I love, the, this is my favorite show of the week, by the way. The, the Sunday morning, just riff about what happened, right? Always a lot yeah. of fun. Uh, viewers always enjoy it. Uh, chat, of course, as we get later in the season. Drops off just a little bit. There's not as much hope as there was early in the season, but still a lot of people that loved it, and uh, we did have a lot of viewers, so we certainly appreciate that. Of course, uh, again, winningcureseverything.com, uh, the BetUS College Football Show. Links to all that in the description. Go to BetUS and sign up using the promo code NCAAF2021. Get you 125% deposit bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive. Thank you to Parker over at cfb-graphs.com. You can find his work on Football Outsiders. You can find him on Twitter at Stats of War. All of these great, great places. And his uh, Twitter and everything else will be linked in the description as well. Uh, with that said, Parker, any uh, any parting words? One one more week of the regular season, man. Let's get it. Uh, just one more week. And then we got championship week. See you on, uh, yeah, see yeah. you on Wednesday. Wednesday. I cannot wait. All right. Everybody take care of yourself, take care of each other, and hopefully all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com, or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at GaryWCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.